Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Hey, Victory Church, are we excited to be in God's house? Let's, let's make some noise for Jesus, Edmund Campus. Uh, it's such a joy to be with you and honored to be joining the Edmund Campus uh, today. Those of you watching online, no matter where you're watching from, or maybe you're watching this in an archive a year from now. Thanks for taking time to, uh, to check out what's happening here at Victory Church. We pray that this, this word blesses you. Um, real quick, before I get into the word, let me just uh, share a couple things. So uh, today, for those of you who have been fasting and praying with us, today your fast ends. And somebody should shout hallelujah right there. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'm a, I don't know if I was gonna survive or not. Uh, so we will break the fast uh, today, and tonight we have a worship night, and we're thrilled about our worship nights. If you've never been to one of our worship nights, uh, man, tonight is the night you should come. Uh, the Edmond Campus joins the uh, Victory Iglesia Campus, and we all come here together, and we join together. And really, we have an agenda. We have a, a flow of songs that we kind of arrange and are ready for. We, re we really just see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so if you've never been to one of these before, I really encourage you to come tonight at 5.30 here at the OKC campus. Okay, Edmund campus, I know what you're saying. That's too far. No, it's not. Okay, get your tail down here. We need you here. Um, and I know what the guys are saying and some of the girls is like, there's football on tonight. And I understand, okay? But the Cowboys already lost, okay? We all knew they were gonna, but it broke our hearts again. Um, and hey, you know, if I'm, I'll just give you permission, okay? If, if you're a football fanatic and you're just like, can't come because of football, then you, here's, the, here's the technique, okay, guys, at worship night, one hand raised, one hand on the phone. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. Go, Chiefs. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. So, so come tonight, 5.30, okay? Uh, drag yourself here. Uh, so come to that. You saw the video just a moment ago about our Seder, okay? So every year we do this as a church and many of you have been to this. Many of you are like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, uh, you know, that's weird. I don't know if I wanna be at this church. Seder, what, what is that? Um, a Seder is a Jewish custom, okay? Where they come together and they celebrate the Passover, okay? So they're coming and they do, do, do this thing that celebrates their journey from Egypt to the promised land. And we are not Jewish, okay? Most of us are not Jewish. We're a Gentile church. We're predominantly a Gentile church. But we are grafted in as Gentiles. We're grafted in to the promise of God's chosen people, the Jewish people. So we should kind of know what we're grafting ourselves into. And so we're not trying to be Jewish. We're not just trying to do Jewish customs. But it is a beautiful picture uh, of this journey from Egypt to the promised land. And they have all of these symbolic things that they eat and pray and all of these things. And really, if you pay attention to them, what we know as Gentiles and, and Messianic believers is that they're all foreshadowings of Jesus, of a coming Messiah. And so we have a, a, one, of the, one of the greatest, really most popular, most famous uh, Messianic uh, rabbis that are gonna, that's gonna be here, Jason Sorbel. He will be here to, to, to be a part of our, our Seder. And so it happens here at the OKC campus and this room will be packed 
with tables and it sells out really fast. Okay, really, really fast. So that's April 1st. And so if you wanna get more information about that, you can go to the website, the church app, or you can go uh, to, the, to the lobby, sign up for that. I also wanna kind of give you an update real quick on Grapevine, uh, Grapevine launch, the Grapevine campus launch. Uh, is going well. If uh, you've been here, you know, a couple weeks ago, I announced as a church that we're, we're having a baby, that, that we were giving birth uh, to a campus in Grapevine, Texas. And I just want to let you know how your baby brother's doing, all right? So your baby brother down in Grapevine is doing really well. So we are launching at a school there called Grapevine Faith. It's a high school. And they have a great auditorium that we will be in eventually that seats 600. Um, right now we're in this other area of the school that seats 100 and then you can slide one wall back and it'll seat 150 and then you can slide another wall back and it'll seat 200. So the first week we met in the 100 seat room and it was, it was full. And so the next week we slid one wall back and, and that room became full, the 150. And then this last night we slid, uh, we meet on Saturday nights at four, we slid the third wall, the second wall back and it, was, it wasn't completely full, but it was, it was filling up, okay? So God's moving, he's doing something really cool there. So if you're ever traveling to the DFW area, we encourage you to swing by Saturday nights and check out your baby brother, see how your baby brother's doing. And uh, God's doing some great things there. And if you know anybody in the DFW area, let them know that we're meeting a Grapevine Faith uh, Christian Schools at the high school. You can go to our website, victory.church, and you can see the campus on there. You can find out all you need to know about the information there. And we have social media pages as well, as well, Victory Church Grapevine, okay? So uh, don't worry. Don't be jealous of your baby brother, okay? Don't be jealous of baby brother. Uh, there's enough love to go around for this new, new thing God's doing, and we're excited about it. And I want you to be in tune and, and, and praying for what God's doing through, through our Grapevine campus. We're excited about that. We've been in this season called Expecting. And for those of you that have been joining us for, for several weeks, we started this around the beginning of December, and we have been talking about how this idea of how God puts something in you that then cultivates and grows, to use the analogy of a pregnancy, that a seed is put in you, in your spirit, by, by the Lord, it's conceived by the Holy Spirit, and then it cultivates and grows in you, and it can be a business, it can be a ministry gift, it can be a calling, it can be a destiny. Whatever's next in your life, it starts with a seed, and God does a work in us, and it grows and grows and grows until finally the day comes that we give birth to this thing. And I pray that it's been blessing you and ministering to you. Today, you can turn your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Early on in this season, I, I read a portion of this passage and I said, I'm preaching a sermon on this coming soon. And today I wanna bring that, that word to you. So we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 11. This is the faith chapter. This is the, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's a very inspiring text to let us know that we can do great things for the Lord too. Basically what this chapter is saying, you can do big things too. Let me show you how Abraham did it. Let me show you how Rahab did it. Let me show you how Noah did it. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And so we can look to this chapter, chapter for real inspiration and guidance on our own journeys. And today we're, today we're gonna look at Abraham, a portion of the text that's talking specifically about Abraham, these three verses that are rich, 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 rich. And in the time we have today, I'm gonna try to unpack these three, three, three verses to bless you and hopefully encourage you and challenge you, okay? So we're gonna look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses eight through 10, and here we go. It says this. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. Now we could stop right there and preach a whole sermon just on that part. He was called and he obeyed, right? It says, by, he obeyed by going out to a place 
which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which foundations, which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. This idea that he's dwelling in a tent, and I'd read this text probably a hundred times over the years, and for some reason it just popped off the page at me. I don't know if you've ever had the text do that to you. The idea that he was living in a tent. How many, how many people like to go camping in here? Anybody like to go camping? Look at all the crazy people right now. Their hands are raised. Okay, so that, that's a very vague word I just used, camping. Everybody has a different idea of camping. Camping for me, if, like, if I'm roughing at camping, I'm in an RV, okay? That's, we're glamping, okay? We're not camping, we're glamping. And if, if I have to be in a tent, I sure aren't sleeping on the dirt. I'm on a blow-up mattress, okay? All the blow-up mattress people, get your hands raised. Okay, so how many of you, now I want you to pay attention because the real crazy people are about to raise their hands. You ready? How many of you are like, I don't even need a tent. I'll just sleep out under the stars. Keep your hands raised. Look at these crazy people. Look at these crazies. My brother's like this. My brother is like a, my brother and I are polar opposites, you know? I'm like, where's the Hilton? Okay, that's where I'm gonna go to the Hilton. Um, but my brother is one of those guys that's like, he'll sleep under the stars with no plan, no food, like no, nothing. He doesn't care where he's at, where he's going. Yeah, but it's gonna be 20 degrees. I don't care, I've got a zero degree rated sleeping bag. I'm like, these people are, are insane. Abraham was a tent dweller. He was a tent dweller. Uh, and, 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 and it started there, but it went on to, for a long lineage. If you go on to read text, his son Isaac was a tent dweller. His, son, his grandson Jacob was a tent dweller. In fact, the children of Israel, all of the, the promised children that he would go on to have, this promise from God, the Israelites, when they left Egypt, their entire journey from Egypt all the way to the promised land was tents, dwelling in tents, right? Even when they crossed the Jordan and went into the promised land, they were in Gilgal where they went out and attacked and fought and took the territory. They lived in tents, but going all the way back to Abraham. Think about this, this man. And this is the part that really captured my heart and I wanna, I wanna teach a message on it. Um, this man had the ability to live in a tent but the scriptures say that he was looking for a city with foundations. So he had the ability to lay in the dirt. He didn't have a Coleman blow up mattress, I don't think. You know? He had the ability to lay in the dirt. His feet were in one place, but his vision was in somewhere else. And this was inspiring to me because I think in some ways all of us could relate to this idea that you're in a place in your life that feels like you're living in dirt. <laughs> it, it, it can be applicable to any area of your life that you feel like isn't quite up to speed to where you envision it being. It could be your marriage, it could be your career, it could be a financial situation, it could, be, it could be your spiritual relationship with the Lord, it could be your journey with the Lord, it could be in your parenting, it could, it, it could be in your business, it, it could be a plethora, it could be your mental health, it could be your physical health, it could be any area of your life that you're like, man, I, I'm kind of getting tired of this tent. <laughs> but, but Abraham had this ability to look beyond his current circumstance and envision something that the scriptures articulates as God was the architect 
of it. So he had this ability to, to dwell in a place but have a vision for something else. And I, I, wanna, I wanna talk about this today and I pray that it, it, it ministers to you or, or, or speaks to you in some way. The title of this sermon is very simply, Dreaming from the Dirt. Dreaming from the Dirt. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, for the word of God that never returns void. The words, your word says that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. So God, we invite this sword, this scalpel, to come and do a work in our heart, Lord. So we, we open our hearts, we open our minds. God, help me to articulate your word in a meaningful way that, that's a blessing to your people as we dive into your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, so how do we live in the mess we're in um, the unknown that we're in, the disappointment that we're in, but still dream, still have hope, still dream for something. And today I just wanna learn from Abraham. So I'm gonna unpack to the best of my ability these three verses. These are rich verses, by the way. The 28 minutes I got left, which I probably won't hit because I rarely do. So let's call it 31 minutes. The 31 minutes I have left, um, I won't be able to fully articulate this to the depth of which it needs to be articulated. So I encourage you, read this more. Read the whole chapter, dive into these three verses more, but I wanna unpack a little bit today. So let's go back to verse eight. Verse eight says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, I want you to catch these words right here. He went out, not knowing where he was going. I'm a, I'm a very obsessive compulsive um, uh, driver, I guess you would call it. Um, I want to be in control, I like to drive. Uh, my friend Brandon's with me. Um, he's from the Grapevine campus actually. Everybody, so for our great, one of our brothers from Grapevine is here, all right? So we met this morning and he, he drove and like, I don't tell very many people this, but I hate not driving. Like I wanna be in control and th this is how crazy I am, okay? I'm gonna confess to you guys. I'm one of those crazy people who even if I know how to get where I'm going, I'll still enter it into the GPS and it'll tell me the estimated time of arrival. And I'm like, you wanna bet? My wife gets so mad at me. I was like, babe, you know, it's not a race. And my answer is always, oh, it's always a race always a race. But I, but I also like the idea of I want to know where I'm going, but I also know when I get there. I want to know when I'm going to get there. I want to, I want to avoid any detours. If there's a wreck, I want ways to tell me there's a wreck so I can reroute. I want to, I want to, miss, I want to miss any disruptions. And, and Abraham gets this word, like he gets these coordinates. God comes to Abraham and says, I, I want, I'm gonna go you to, I'm gonna send you to a place and I want you to go ahead and start your journey, but I'm not exactly gonna tell you where you're gonna end up. Can you imagine? Like, I get anxiety just thinking about that. He says, I want you to go to a place, but I'm not gonna tell you where, where, where exactly you're going. And he had the faith. The Bible says he went out, means he took a step, not even knowing where he was gonna end up. I think part of the ways that we have to, decide to discipline ourselves to dream from the dirt, point number one if you're taking notes, is we have to adapt to the ability of taking blind steps. We have to find the ability to take blind steps. And God is in the, in, in the business of this. 
I want the whole journey. I, I want God to show me everything from the get-go. That's just, that's the way I'm wired. That's the way, and when, when God began to, even the Grapevine campus, when God began to put this and stir this on my heart, I, I was always like, okay, God, I'll go if you'll tell me how this is all gonna work. You tell me where the money's gonna come from. You tell me where we're gonna launch. You tell me the building. You tell me how this is gonna happen. You tell me if the church is gonna receive it okay. I, I need all the facts. I need all the data. I need all, and, and every single time, the Lord over and over again would just press on my heart. No, uh-uh take the next step. But I don't have a building. Meet in someone's house. You just take the next step. But God, I don't know where we're gonna end up. Will anybody even come? John, take one step. But, but I need the fifth step, God. I need to know the sixth step and the seventh step because I do I need to pivot? No, 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 take one step. Do we have the ability as believers to just take one step? Just one step. And this is what, this is what Abraham was getting in the the, the, the the habit of understanding how to do. And if you look all through scripture, and I don't have time to dig into it a ton, but you'll see time and time again where people are called to take one step. And some steps are bigger than other steps. Remember, remember Peter, when Jesus told Peter, step out of the boat, come. Jesus said one word to, G, to Peter, come. I heard one preacher say, Peter wasn't walking on the water, he was walking on a word. He walked on the word of Jesus that said, come. But I guarantee you that first step was a little harder than the second step. But God is always in the business of challenging us to take, to take one more step. Joshua was, was challenged to take a step around Jericho, not knowing exactly when this thing was gonna fall. One step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. Moses got to stretch a staff over the Red Sea and watch it part. But Joshua, when he went to the Jordan River to cross into the Promised Land, he, the, God told the priest, I want you to take a step and when your foot touches the water with the Ark of the Covenant, the waters will part. Well, they had to take a step, okay? So I don't, know, I don't know what step that is for you. It may be as simple as God's telling you that you need to change careers and you're not qualified for it and God's telling you to go back to college and, and start over and the thought of all of that, you see this giant elephant in the room and you're like, I don't know how to eat this elephant. One bite. When I, whenever I was finishing my doctorate degree, I was meeting with my dissertation chair and I, was, I had to write this dissertation and it was just this insane project and I saw it and I just could not imagine how in the world I was ever gonna do this. I had babies and diapers and a, a church and I, I just didn't know how in the world I was gonna finish this dissertation. And I remember I was telling, I was talking to her in her office and I said, this is the biggest elephant I've ever had to eat. And we know the saying, it, it, I'd heard it before, but for some reason it just hit me and it pierced me. And she said, you know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So take your eyes off the elephant and put your eyes on the fork and just take the next step. Just take the next step. I don't know who that's for. It really, it's for all of us because God is challenging us to do something next and God is always in, in the habit of, of challenging us with this. Romans 4.18 gives us a glimpse of how, of how Abraham took that step. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, that's a big elephant. Abraham believed the promise and expected, there was an expectancy. He expected God to fulfill it and he took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations, God's declaration over him. Let's jump to verse nine. Let's unpack verse nine. Hebrews eleven nine. it says, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in, as, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, 
fellow heirs of the same promise. Abraham, part of his journey and part of the way he lived in the dirt but had a vision for foundations is he had to at some point along his journey, point number two, he had to become fine as a foreigner. He had, to be, he had to just come to terms with, you know what? I'm, I'm a foreigner in this land, but God has called me to this land. I am now in this land. I don't understand the culture. I don't understand. I don't know if you've ever traveled before. Um, I've traveled international a decent amount, not a ton, but I've been to a lot of countries. And there's nothing like coming home and just stepping your foot off the plane back into America. And you're like, I'm home. And, and it, a lot of times it's not even about safety as much as, as much as it's just about being a foreigner in a foreign land. I don't understand the culture. Um, one time I went to Columbia, not Columbia, Missouri, Columbia, it's Columbia, all right? And, and uh, I went down there, Pastor Oscar, did you go with me on that trip? And they, they, they took us to this restaurant and, and we were just like, just bring us whatever the culture is, you know? I'm kind of a, I'll eat whatever, you know? And so, and they bring this, this fish and they lay it on the table and I'm like, hey, um, you forgot to fillet this thing there's a fish, you know? I don't know how to eat this thing. This is weird, there's fins and weird things. So I'm kind of picking up this thing really delicately, you know, like this is weird, I don't wanna do this. And then they're like, you have to eat the eyeballs. And I'm like, I am a foreigner in a strange land right now. It's where the most vitamins are and all that. And I'm like, I have a multivitamin, I'm okay. You know, I'll take, I'll take my multivitamin, I don't need the, the eyeballs, thank you. But you know what I did? I ate that eyeball in Jesus' name, and I lived, I lived to tell about it. But there's, there's something about being a foreigner, and this is what it must have felt like for Abraham, okay? I want you to think about it this way. God told him to go there. Think about this. God told him to go there, and when he went there, he was an alien. Think about it. He was in the right place, but it sure didn't feel like it. Sure didn't feel like it. And I think part of this is something that we can all uh, 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 understand, right? Uh, we can understand it in our personal lives. Like maybe you're in a, in a season where you feel like or you sense God's about to do this, but you're not there yet. You know, your marriage should be this and you, you know, this or a career or whatever. Um, but the truth is, if you're a believer, we can all relate to this because you are in a foreign land. We, we like to think that we can take a foreign land and make the foreign land adapt to me. Uh, I've been to Lesotho with Jennifer. I've been to uh, all over Africa. I've been to Israel. I've been to Jordan. I've been to a lot of countries. And one thing you'll realize real quick is when you're in somebody else's land, that land will not conform to you. You must conform to it, <laughs> right? Like, it's not like the whole nation of Lesotho is gonna change for Jennifer and I. Well, we knew you were coming, so the whole nation's eating cheeseburgers today, okay? We're just gonna conform to you. But for some reason, we think as Christians that, that the whole world should just become like us. Jesus is very clear that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. I want, one of the reasons Abraham could dwell in a tent and have a vision for the foundation is because he knew that the tent was a temporary assignment. And it's applicable to your personal lives, but I wanna let you know, um, if you're a believer, this world is not your home. And it's real, it's real easy for us to kind of try to, to, to take the world, the, the kingdom of God, and narrow it down to my kingdom and my world. 
and try to make it conform to what I need it to be. Uh, Jesus was very clear. I don't think we have this in the notes. John 15, 18. These are Jesus's words to his disciples. He said, if the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. And then he goes on to say in verse, in verse 19, he says, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. If you feel like a foreigner, you kind of are supposed to. We're a foreigner in a land that, that, that is not of this world. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, the verse everybody loves to, to quote, okay? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you hope in the future. We, we know that verse, it's on mugs, it's on posters, all that. At the beginning, have you ever read that whole chapter? The first of that chapter is like, oh my gosh, let's not do this, God. The 29, verse 11 is like, hey, I know what I just told you is bad, but I want you to know I've got plans. I'm working on it. At the beginning of this chapter, they have been exiled to Babylon, let me read just part of it. They don't have this on the notes because I just added it. It says this, it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to to all the exiles who I have sent to exile in Jerusalem, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat their produce, take wives and become fathers and sons and take wives for your sons and give them daughters, increase, multiply. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm sending you to a foreign land And even though you're gonna feel like an alien, I want you to put down roots there. It's gonna feel foreign. But don't worry, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to give you hope. So there's a component to to living for the Lord that there will be components and aspects and areas and seasons of your life where you just feel like an alien. And Abraham just had to have figured out, I'm fine as a foreigner. I'm good. I can live like this because this is not my home. God has another home in store for me. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. This is what Abraham was doing. He's like, yeah, I'm dwelling in a tent, but I'm looking forward. I'm looking for something. I'm looking towards a city that has foundations and I can dwell in this tent because this tent is temporary. And this is what he had the ability to do. Uh, every year during this time, they would have what is called Sukkot, which is the festival of tabernacles, or some would call it the festival of tents. And God, it's in Leviticus, and you can go and read about this. They would do all of these things for seven days, but one of the things they did, this was when they were in the promised land and they had built their cities and built their homes. For once a year, for seven days, they would go outside of their home and these crazy people would go live in a tent. They would go back to their roots as a, as a memory, uh, to be reminded of the journey that the Israelites took from, the, from Egypt all the way to the promised land. They lived in tents. And God was, was, was reminding them, saying, never forget that you're a tent dweller on this earth. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable. If you're a believer, there should be something. If you're too comfortable as a believer, you're probably not doing it right. Because it means, what that means is that we're conforming to the world. Okay, no one likes this point. Let's keep going. All right. Uh, the end of verse nine says this. It says, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Dwelling in tents with, he wasn't by himself. 
his son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. So it's so it like they were fellow heirs to the same promise, but I was on this journey and I was dwelling in a tent and I had a vision for the future, but God didn't want me to do it alone. Point number three, if you're taking notes, God's visions are not solo missions. Anything God calls you to do, you will not do it alone. There, there's always a component of I'm doing this with people. Why? Because it's not about me. Uh, not only was he not alone, not only was God gonna do something great through Jacob, God was called to be generational. I mean, J Abraham was called to be generational. He was called to take the vision. I want you to please catch this for your own life. Abraham was called to take the vision that God gave him and pass it down to Isaac. And then Isaac took the vision from his father and passed it down to Jacob. This blew my mind. Because I don't know about you, but most of my prayers for what I need God to do for me is not generational. I realized in studying this text that my vision, my, my dream, if I'm dreaming from the dirt, my dreams are so narrow-minded. My dreams are, are so temporal. They're not eternal. My dreams are, God, here's the situation, and I need you to use me for this and do this through me. And it's, like, it's like I wrote my own book of the Bible. It's you know, the book of me, chapter four, verse three. Like, God, this is about me and my world and my marriage and my, my career and my finances and my this and my that and my this, but I just wanna be used by you, Lord. You know. Abraham's vision was so big, it was impossible to do in one generation. If you read the, the rest of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the end of Hebrews chapter 11 is almost kind of depressing because it's like, by faith this, by faith this, by faith this, by faith Rahab, by faith this, by, and it lists all these heroes of our faith. And then towards the end of it, this, this, the, the Bible literally says, and none of them lived to see the promise fulfilled. And you're like, that's the most depressing movie I've ever seen in my life. Roll credits. Like, why did we start this movie? It is not a happy ending. None of them got to see this thing. Why? Because each of them, the vision that God gave them was so big, one generation couldn't do it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Have, it forced me to ask myself the question, have I ever prayed a prayer that I would receive a vision so big that it would be impossible for me to do it in one generation? Abraham's calling was so big that he was okay with dwelling in a tent, but having a vision for the future that he would never possess. But the vision came from him. Uh, to, to use it in a simpler term, am I willing to plant a seed in the ground that I will never sit under its shade? Am I, am I willing to plant a seed that I will never eat the fruit of that my grandkids might eat it? Not me. Why? Because I need to be eating the fruit from the, those who have gone before me, the pastors who have gone before me, the leaders who have gone before me. So I'm just trying to stretch your, your prayer life, your vision a little bit broader than, than the book of me, chapter four, verse three. I wanna challenge you to pray prayers and visions so big that you couldn't complete it in your lifetime even if you wanted to. These are the type of things. Let me just stretch you a little bit to say God wants to use you in these kind of ways. Let me read that verse for you that I referenced just a moment ago. Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. It says, all of these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles 
on this earth. It says that they saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They never experienced the promises, but God gave them a vision for the promise, even though they weren't ever gonna possess it. Moses experienced this. Moses takes them all the way to the border of the promised land and God's like, you don't get to go. You get to go on Mount Nebo, which I've stood on Mount Nebo at the, at the very place where Moses would have looked out over the promised land. He's like, you don't get to go there, but I'm gonna let you get a glimpse of it. Am I willing, it's such a convicting thought for me, am I willing to be selfless enough that God could put a seed of a destiny in me that I never get to witness this side of heaven? Let's go to the next one, verse, verse nine and 10. Let's read it again. It says, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now verse 10, let's lean into this. It says, for he was looking for something. The way he was able to dwell in a tent is because his eyes weren't on the tent. His eyes weren't on his circumstances. His feet were in one place, but his eyes were somewhere else. He's like, yeah, I'm in a tent. <laughs> I'm living in the dirt here. I'm, I'm, but, I'm, but my eyes are fixed on something else. I have a vision for something else. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, and this is a really critical part of this, whose architect and builder is God. So, so it, it, it labels God as two things, the architect and the builder. God's gonna do both. God's gonna come up with the whole plan and God's gonna build it out. He is subcontractor, contractor, architect, civil engineer. He's gonna, he's gonna do the whole thing, right? So point number, point number four, if you're taking notes, to dream from the dirt, Abraham knew what to look for. And we must try as believers to begin to know what to look for because we're looking for the wrong things. He was looking for foundations. Now, it, makes, it forces me to think, what is a foundation? Um, I've been to Haiti, I've, I've, I've gone into homes in Haiti that have no foundation. It's just walls and a makeshift roof. And when it rains, we know what rain and dirt make, right? So, so in, in some ways, a foundation or any sort of concrete structure, whether it's a sidewalk or whatever, one of the, one of the, one of the attributes or, or um, benefits of a foundation is cleanliness. Like you just get, you get to get out of the muck and the mire and the dirt and you get to stay clean. And so there's a component of this. There's a lot of symbolisms in here and I don't have time to unpack a lot of them, but I want to unpack a few of them. I think that, that Abraham was looking practically. I think that he was thinking he was living in a tent. I mean, I'm looking forward to when Jerusalem is built and we have the temple and all the things. And I think it was literal. But I also think he is. I also think it's symbolic. I think God put a deposit. Again, this is just, just this is just John. Okay, but in the same way that God puts a seed in us for expecting that we give birth to, I think God placed a seed in Abraham's heart about a coming day that we now get to live in when a Messiah is going to come. The rock, the the the, the chief cornerstone that brings cleanliness to us that brings purity to us, that we don't have to live in the muck and the mire of our sin and our shame, that there's a purity that comes with this foundation and we're all looking for a foundation. Even people that don't believe in Jesus, even an atheist is trying to find some sort of make me feel good about me. 
Uh, even an atheist will be philanthropic, give away things. Why? Because it makes them feel clean. Like, ah, I did something good. I did something nice for those around me. We're all searching for this. We're all searching for something, some sort of foundation. And, and Abraham was looking for a foundation and so are we. We're looking for a foundation from the component and from the aspect of a cleanliness, something that can purify me and get me out of the muck and mire of my sin in this world and put me on a firm foundation that, that I can stay clean. Jesus is this. He is the only thing that can give you this. Uh, foundations are not only for that, but more importantly, and more predominantly, foundations are for stability. The Bible's very clear about the one who built this house on the sand versus the one who built their house on the rock. It brings stability, it brings, it brings a sureness that when the earthquakes come, when the wind comes, when the rain comes, if we build it on the rock, and I think, I think Abraham, I think God had given glimpse to Abraham of I am, I'm dwelling in the dirt in this old covenant, but I'm looking forward to the new covenant with Jesus, that I get to look forward to a city built in a new covenant with Jesus. And Jesus is our sure anchor. He is our firm foundation. He is the rock on which we build our lives. And he becomes this for us because we know what to look for. The truth is the world is looking for these things. The, the world is looking for, 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 for cleanliness and purity. The world is looking for stability. Most people try to find stability in finances and influence and wealth. And, and, and followers, we, we, we're all looking for a foundation, but Abraham knew what to look for. He knew what to look for the right foundation and we must learn this. If we really wanna dream from the dirt, we gotta focus our attention and fix our eyes as Hebrews 12 says, Hebrews says, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the perfecter and author of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, we fix our eyes. We, we can become tent dwellers. We can stand in the place that we currently are, but we can have a vision for the future with the foundation. And that vision, that future is Jesus. And if you wanna use the analogy I started with, if you're, maybe your marriage feels in the dirt. Maybe your, maybe your business, maybe your calling, maybe your ministry, maybe your physical health, maybe your mental health. Whatever area of your life that you feel like you're dwelling in the dirt, okay? If you will fix your eyes in the same way Abraham did, you can find a foundation for your marriage, it's Jesus. You can find a foundation to build your business on, it's Jesus. You could find a foundation to build your finances on, it's Jesus. And all of these are locked up in scripture for us to unwrap. More importantly, more than anything else, you can find a foundation for your salvation. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are in the dirt. Truth be told, cute little analogy I just painted and all the, all the things about marriage, but truth be told, if you're a believer, if you live for Jesus and you've given your life to Jesus, not only as your savior, but as your Lord, and there is a difference between him being your savior and you get to go to heaven and him being your Lord and all of your life is for the master. If you have made him your Lord and Savior, you aren't in the dirt. <laughs> you're not in the dirt at all. You're on a firm foundation. You're, a, you're on a firm foundation. And our earthly bodies may be dwelling in a tent, but our eyes are fixed on a future because this is not our home. 
Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you at my house so that you can come and dwell with me at my house. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I wanna pray for you. With your eyes closed, let me read this verse for you. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. I want you to process this. These are the words of Paul straight to us, straight to us on January the 29th at 12.04 p.m. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, not a tent anymore. You're a child of God. And when you become a child of God, it means that you are no longer a stranger. You're no longer an alien in God's house, but you become fellow citizens in the kingdom of God. Verse 20 says, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in whom the whole building is being fitted together. It's growing into a temple, a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. If you're here today and you are not in a relationship with Jesus, I wanna, I wanna give you a very simple invitation. There's nothing you have to do for this. It is a free gift. It's a free gift so that no man can boast. We are, we are saved by grace through faith. We, we have faith. We trust that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that faith activates this grace that we get to become partakers in. You couldn't earn your salvation if you had to. It's a free gift. It's like Jesus hands you a box and you get to unwrap it and open it. And I just wanna offer this gift to you today. So if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, maybe, maybe this is your first time you've ever done it or maybe you, you, there was a time in your life, a season in your life where you lived for the Lord and that, that was a distant memory and now you have been trying to do this on your own. You've been searching for a foundation. You've tried everything to get out of the dirt and the muck that you are in and you've searched the world for something stable and something to make you feel better about yourself, but there's nothing there. I wanna, I wanna turn your affection and turn, turn your attention to the proper thing that you should look for this morning and it's Jesus. So if you're here and you wanna give your life to Jesus or if you're at the Edmond campus right now, if you're watching online, we have people in the chat that can chat with you. So if you're at the Edmond campus or here at OKC, I want you to respond to this by raising your hand on the count of three. Are you ready, Edmund? Are you ready, OKC? On the count of three. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up real high. Yep, hand right here. Anybody else? Hand over here to my left. Awesome. Anybody else to say that's me? Shoot your hand up real high. I wanna pause for just a second. Yep, I see that hand, awesome. Anybody else to say that's me? I wanna pause just one second to give somebody that might be resisting or, or waiting. Yep, I see you right there with tears, love it. Anybody else? Say that's me, shoot your hand up. Yeah, back there, awesome. Very cool, love it. All right, I wanna, I wanna walk you through something. Um, to begin this journey, your salvation is secure. The Bible says in Romans 10 that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And when you do this, you're saved. You've activated faith in your life that you believe and you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So you may be like, well, I do believe in my heart, but I don't know what to say. 
Well, we're just gonna all pray a prayer together. I wanna give you some words for you to confess, for you to, to declare, okay? So everybody, in the sound of my voice, just say this prayer after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son to die for me. And Jesus, you are the Lord of my life and my savior. And today I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I confess my sins to you. I believe that you were resurrected on the third day for my victory. And today I'm new. Today I'm changed. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that? Isn't that awesome? Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.